Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new black magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic, and we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Hey, welcome to the 161st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Donald Evans and Evelyn Belasco. I'm Warren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow. Today we've got Ted Sim. He's the president of Aperture Lighting, which is the fastest growing cinema lighting company. And he's also the host of the newly relaunched Indie Mogul. Uh, so we get deep with Ted about uh, the state of digital media and the future of filmmaking, how filmmakers get hired. It kind of all swirls around basically the idea of how you brand yourself and why you should or shouldn't and how you brand yourself as an artist and entrepreneur and technologist and all of that stuff kind of swirling around each other over and over again. Yeah, the thing that stuck out to me about the interview is when Ted said that the internet won and we've got to get over it. His view is as much as... People like Matt and I try to say we're directors, not content creators, that at the end of the day, creating that content is that that's part of being a director, part of being a filmmaker and part of accepting the new paths into Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, which is funny because I think you and I both certainly made our name and our careers by being innovative online. And so I think it's a fascinating thing that I'm going to think about for a long while of just like what my stance is now on the way that people come up and also the way that my opinion of myself has changed and what I want it to be and what I want to push towards. And, you know, it was a really interesting, fascinating, uh, introspective sort of conversation. Ted also has a podcast. Indie Mogul has its own podcast. And so, you know, there were instances where uh, the tables turned a little bit and Ted was interviewing us. So... He's a real cool guy, very passionate, really curious about a lot of different avenues and ex- has explored them. And so I think he's a really awesome guest. It's a really good one. Uh, before we talk to Ted, we're going to do a real quick catch up just because Matt and I have been all over the place recently. So yeah. Matt, what's going on with you? Um, I am shooting a new series. The thing I'm most excited about right now is we kind of sometimes talk about brainstorming title sequences and things like that. And I thought, oh, I'm going to kind of just dig around on Vimeo and see what the cool new trends are, whatever people doing and find some inspiration that way. It's kind of the Tim Nakashi approach. 
and it worked. Uh, I'm doing a tiny planet um, intro sequence. It really works really thematically well with um, the story that I'm telling and the people, and it's like really community oriented and stuff. Right, when you say tiny planet, do you mean like a small CG Earth that has things on it? Uh, yeah. So you can use that is the effect is what I'm I'm talking about. You. Have you seen how you can get like a 360 cameras, like GoPro has one called the Fusion. There's a bunch of them out there that basically can take a 360 image. And then if you put it on a selfie stick and put it up kind of high, you can invert the image so that basically it looks as though the world that you're walking on is like a tiny little globe and that all of the buildings are just kind of sticking out of it. And then the the sky just kind of bleeds off into infinity. Oh yeah, I think I I've seen glimpses of that online. That's called Tiny Planet. Tiny Planet, yeah. And so I'm really excited. It's going to be a fun montage of a bunch of different things. I think it's going to be special and cool. And I'm very excited about kind of like just digging in on um, how to execute that through uh, tutorials and kind of trial and error. That sounds cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Oren, what have you been working on lately? Uh, well, I have. I was going to talk about two things. One is that I worked on this pretty big campaign for this company that's supposed to IPO for like some people are saying over a hundred billion dollars. And we uh, teamed up with a film studio to promote their movie. And we spent tens of thousands of dollars. This is like a big brands that everyone has heard of, but you can't say basically. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I can't say in a second, but we, you know, we had a process trailer. We shot on Hollywood Boulevard. We had all sorts of awesome things that we did for it and we worked very hard to make it as good as it can be and uh, you know pulled favors and did all those things and really fought about the script fought about the production fought about the locations fought about the makeup the casting every single mm-hmm. step of the way we fought in the edit and the edit and the, like let's put this joke in and take you're that joke out you're passionate let's... about it you're really yeah. delivering yeah and really putting our blood sweat and tears into trying to make it as good as it can be even though it's like a corporate you know, advertisement of sorts. It's branded content, I think is. Yeah. It was like a three minute branded video that both promoted a movie and, and a company. Right. So it's, it's a partnership. It's for an audience. It's not an internal video. basically. And I just found out on Friday that they, this company decided to kill the project (laughs) completely. And it's, I wish this was the first time it happened to me. It's not, but it's just like, it's crazy. Such These companies can yeah. pour in like half a million, a million dollars into something. And I know like Steve Jobs was famous for shooting like eight Apple or eight iPad spots and only using one. But it's just like, I don't know. It, it, it was such a bummer because you work so hard and you yeah. get so excited and you tell all your friends about it and like, oh, I can't wait to till you see this. And then they're like, yeah, you can't put it on your website. You can't show it to anyone. You can't the, tell anyone you, about it. The thing about not being able to put it on your website is a bummer yeah and now it's not edited it's not going through color it's not going through sound oh interesting they stopped before they even took it all the way through yeah there's a cut which of course i didn't love because it got corporate corporately ruined in many different ways by all there's so many different people but anyway just like a reminder that those things happen and uh you know you've got to the best of us man yeah and now i'm on you know we're in post on this, the next project, actually, with the same production company. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, our, uh, two of our listeners, Desiree and Allie, who know, have known Allie Kornfeld from some other things, uh, asked me to host a Q&A for their screening of their pilot Yeah, man, how'd it go? Uh, 
It was really fun. It was at this place called the Rita House, which is like a co-working place oh. in like West Hollywood. Does uh, it have margaritas? They do have margaritas, Good. but a woman named Rita used to own it. And it's like kind of, you pay a monthly membership fee and you can go right there or mm-hmm. hang out there and they do like events. And it, it, it was cool. So if you are a member, which Desiree is a member, you can, you know, you can do screenings or you can do events there. So she did this screening there and there's a bunch of like industry people and friends. And then I just like did a Q&A, but it was kind of like the first hosting thing that I've done sure. because people like listen to the podcast and are like, Hey, you're a friend and you host the podcast. You shouldn't be able to host this Q and a. So, um, it was fun. So hopefully you should check it out. Their show is called the influencers and I'm sure it will be online at some point soon. Hey, congrats guys. Before we hop into our conversation with Ted, we have a couple other things to talk about. First of all, our Patreon, it's going great. Um, I just got new stickers. I'll post a, a photo on Instagram of both our OG patrons, the the special sticker. There's only there, there's 150 of them. Literally, I'm looking at all of them right now. Um, we're gonna hand number each of them uh, for one out of 150. Uh, they're the kind of classic, old school, just shoot it logo with the coffee stain and the bullet holes and stuff. That's basically this is the retirement of that logo. Um, and we've got brand new ones that I'm calling the Nike logo instead of just do it. It's just shoot it. It looks exactly like that classic uh, Nike logo. Um, so you can get that if you become a patron. Um, or if you come to one of our shows. Or if you write an iTunes review and shoot me an email. There's a lot of different ways to do it. But Patreon is the best way to keep uh, supporting the show. Paying our editor, Jay. Helping us kind of experiment with other things. And then the big ticket item. We still haven't totally figured out how we want to get get these going. But our listener, Curtis, hooked us up. I'm wearing a Just Shoot It hat right now. So the same logo, the Nike logo, Just Shoot It. I'm wearing one. We'll post that online as well. Um, We've got one trucker hat. I don't think we're going to get any more. But Oren got his trucker hat, and the rest of us can wear dad hats. What do you think, Oren? It's cool. It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, and I think it's like, I actually was on a film set today helping someone out. And there was like, the AC there was wearing a shirt that said like, when's lunch when do we wrap? Can I go home now or whatever? And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot people wear a lot of this like kind of film related stuff on film sets. I think it's yeah. a perfect film set hat. Yeah. yeah. Just shoot it already. Yeah, they can just point at it. And yeah, if you feel like you got anything out of this podcast, patreon.com slash just shoot a pod, you can help us out and show us that you are uh, a supporter of the podcast. One other thing before we talk to Ted is uh, iTunes reviews. These are a thing that can really help us a lot and so we uh, have come up with a friendly competition between us and a few other podcasts to see who can get the most itunes reviews uh so starting may 1st is when we are going to count them yeah it's us versus light the fuse versus making movies it's hard versus respect the process so uh, it's a friendly competition between us and all of these other filmmaking podcasts who we're all friends with um but it would be really really devastating for me personally if we didn't win this because i came up with the idea and texted everybody and got them on board so you gotta help us out get in there you can you know rate and review other podcasts as well that's fine but get in there help the show out help promote us we've got something on the line the the losers all have to read ad copy that the winner writes promoting their show and kind of whatever else they want to say so like god only knows what they would write for us so yeah so the point is 
leave us a review on iTunes, please, uh, if you care at all about the show. Uh, it'll be really, really helpful. Between May 1st and May 31st. Well, without any further ado, we'll wait. You go ahead and finally write that review you've been thinking of writing. Okay, you're back. Let's talk to Ted. We're here with Ted Sim. Ted How's Sim. How's it going? Indie What's mogul. Up? Do people ever Aperture. call you Ted's IM? Ted's Slim. Yeah. When I lose a lot of... <laughs> okay, we're off to a bad start. <laughs> so we like to cool. start off bad because it can only get better. Yeah, you're warming, yeah. warming up. Absolutely. Um, so, Ted, you uh, you are the... Owner. What, owner? Host. 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 Yeah. Ho- well, owner and host of Indie Mogul, newly mm-hmm. relaunched. Wait, Isn't so it? Ted's IM is like Ted's Indie Mogul. Oh, that's what I am good. Andy Mogul. You're talking about like I am instant messaging? No, like if you somebody sees your Twitter name and it's like at Ted's IM, people uh, assume it's your Andy Mogul. Yes, absolutely. This is true. Which it is. <laughs> okay, yeah. and, and you also have a lighting company called Aperture. Indeed. So Indie Lighting Company and then Indie YouTube Channel, which um, makes a lot of sense because we actually came from YouTube in the beginning. I think a lot of people don't know this. So yeah, yeah. incredible. And you're also a DP as well, right? Uh, yeah, filmmaker. Uh, just shoot, basically. You know, we're just content talking about creator, this. online content creator, yeah. right? And that's the thing that I think a lot of people, uh, I think traditional people, feel embarrassed to say. But you, you know what? Bristle. And it is. is a, it's a new term? world out there, and I think uh, if you're not paying attention to it, if you come from the traditional world, you really should be paying attention to it because it's blowing up right now. And if you're from that world, you already know things are a little crazy out there. Things are crazy. Yeah. That, is, that is true. I, I guess the reason. But I think it's weird to say online content creator is because you wouldn't you do stuff for traditional TV or movie theaters too if like you if the right job came up? Absolutely. I think I think the weird thing that's interesting too about the online filmmaking space is it's it's filmmakers making content about filmmaking. So it's like videos about video making. Mm-hmm. And then the, the dream for all these people is that they want to be doing the higher end set stuff. But you guys are also online content creators because you guys are making a podcast. Wait, but would you think, would you say like Freddie W is an online content creator? Oh, absolutely. Even yeah. though he's making like fun, like a funny video game show. Yeah, 100%. It's not about filmmaking. Well, I think he's an interesting example because he makes those shorts, but then he also has his own online filmmaking channel about making those shorts. So he teaches people the BTS. So I, I'm seeing a lot of filmmakers that are doing this new thing where they, they make their passion projects mm-hmm. and then they either get them funded by camera companies that want to show off their gear or their cameras. So you look at an example like Film Riot, Ryan Connolly. Sure. Good friend of mine. Uh, <clears throat> honestly, I think he, you know, he got over $100,000 just from gear companies to fund his short film that he wanted to do. Oh. And he got it from gear companies. Uh, we were one of the gear companies that actually contributed. Um, and are you contributing cash yeah. or are you contributing? Yeah. Wow. So All it's, right. it's, uh, it's, it's dependent. You know, there's Way some companies go, out there that give out, like I think Canon, Adobe, a lot of those companies mm-hmm. are giving out more money these days. Um, we also give out some money as Aperture too, just to support content creators. And it's like a weird new world of people that can do passion projects, horror films, mm-hmm. that can do things like that out there. I think athletics is an awesome comparison, right? Because mm-hmm. in the athlete, you know, there's not, there's only so much space for a number of professional athletes but there's a ton of people that want to feel like professional athletes that want to do this kind of stuff. And it's weird because we live in a weird world now where the the motivational industry is almost bigger 
than the actual filmmaking industry. And I look, I hate this, right? When people wait, hear wait, this, wait, wait. can you clarify? You're saying the filmmaking motivational industry. I'm saying the filmmaking motivational industry. So, which live, can you describe what yes. that means? So, uh, I think right now, anyone that's if you're a filmmaker on Facebook, Facebook's going to target you ads, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to see these advertisements sure. of learn directing from uh, you know Masterclass has the same sure. learn directing the from pa- James uh, Cameron. That powerful fifty fifty man. You've seen these <laughs> oh, already, well, right? I you have the Masterclass. Yeah. My yeah, wife abs- got it and you, for me. You paid for it, or your wife paid for it, and I. Yeah. It's crazy because card, yeah, there's a lot of new content out there. There's not really that many narrative filmmaking jobs out there. There's a ton of people that want to be filmmakers, as you guys know. Of course, you host a podcast. Uh, and because of that, there's a lot of gear companies or people that want to sell, you know, script advice. And like, it's very quick and easy to get into like the snake oil territory. Mm-hmm. But there are tons of legitimate companies that want to promote the stuff that they have on with filmmakers that are reputable, that have a reputation. So um, I think building up some kind of social media clout, if you're an indie filmmaker, you can open up all these other kind of revenues and, and channels and, and ways to make your passion project that are maybe a little different. And I think so many filmmakers out there, they just want to do the traditional thing. And it's like, look, the world is changing so fast. You got to you know, maybe try something new. There's not a lot that you have to do it, right? There's a million ways to make it. But um, I think people so quickly bat an eye to the online stuff that it's like, no, like there are legitimate filmmakers getting projects funded here. Mm-hmm. There are people that are, again, I think we were talking about this a little bit, but uh, have you ever gone into a job and actually had them check your social media accounts? It's it's like mind numbing, right? It's sure. horrible to think about, but it's happening. It is. Um, I wanted to bring up one of our past guests, this guy named Michael Tucker. He mm-hmm. does a, has a YouTube channel called Lessons from the Screenplay. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They just hit a million uh, subscribers. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. So he does these video essays, right? Deconstructing what makes the screenplay good or bad. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and because so many agents and managers and stuff know about his work, he's yeah. been approached to write screenplays, you know? This is happening a lot, actually. You know, Tony Zhao, the guy that does sure. yeah. Yeah. painting. I have a, so many friends that uh, teach film schools and stuff that have just told me, Story after story after story. How many times they've begged this guy to come? Oh Dude, we've tried up to get him educational on the department. Yeah. yeah, you guys have tried yeah. to get him on the podcast. And like, who would he be otherwise without this this right. this channel? He'd be he would be yeah. an editor, just a film editor among a sea of film sure. editors. Yeah, his wrist would click all the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think um, you know, don't get me wrong. There's something that like is hard about you know be putting yourself out there mm-hmm. um, in the same way that I'm sure it was hard for you guys to come out and be like, I'm going to have people listen to my voice <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Hear things that I do. And like, you know, uh, that's always kind of nerve wracking, but you know, I think if you are an artist and you want to be able to be known for your voice, whether mm-hmm. it's in your work, it, I think it's great. And I think you guys are doing it already. Honestly, I think I, I don't think it's that long you guys just keep doing this podcast that someone will come along and just be like i really like matt's perspective on this thing you know i feel like he'd probably be great at this kind of thing i wonder yeah i mean we again we've gotten a few the commercial gigs but what kind of commercial gigs have you gotten from the podcast i i I, boy like two years worth of kentucky lottery campaigns from this podcast yeah yeah Yeah. guys shout out pps group Guys, yeah. the number of filmmakers that I'm sure listen to this oh, are I know. like, I wish I would get reached out in that. I mean, the number of, okay, so the reason I think I, I'm so tucked into this world is because Aperture, we actually came from our, our head that started the company, came from a thing called Digital Rev TV. Do you guys know about that? Yeah. Yeah. No, Digital yeah. Rev TV. Digital Rev TV. So that kind sounds, of Kai W yeah. and Locke, they were yeah. originally, um, they were a Hong Kong like buy and sell camera store. Mm-hmm. They made this YouTube channel to start marketing their stuff. 
And then now the channel blew up so much that everyone just knows digital rev and they don't even know it's a camera store. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What's interesting is that our CEO came from there and then he was like, oh, this YouTube thing is like crazy. I'm, I want to make gear for those guys. Mm-hmm. So he found me at the time I was working over at Studio 71. Started working uh, and basically what's interesting is that it was the two of us. We both came from YouTube. I'm Studio 71, so an MCN for online filmmaking. And then our last guy came from Fuji Film. Three of us together uh, just made an indie gear company for online filmmakers. Mm-hmm. And part of that, like, I think the reason we blew up is because I just started reaching out and talking to a lot of these online guys. Started just sending out gear, saying, if you want to try this stuff, it's fine. Um, what's weird about Aperture is that we never, honestly, like now the studios use us. But we, for the longest time, it was just just like no studios used us. But we were doing fine. We <laughs> right. were doing better than most right, of the right. studio companies. And if you want a testament to just like how big this online filmmaking thing is... Like every small business out there, every record label, everything, they all need content now. And those people, that's why content creator, I think, gets such a bad rep Mm -hmm. because it's seen as like the unprofessional filmmaker. But those kids are getting good. Sure. Getting really good. And they're coming and they're raising up. And yeah, yeah. Well, right. But that to me, to me, being called the content creator. It's like putting you in the box of like internet only. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's what I guess maybe turns us off. And I'm sure it's like because when, we. When uh, I hear content creator, I mean, I think you don't get to have a crew. Yes. That's, that's yes. what I think. I hear yeah. one man right. band. Yeah, yeah. Can't light things. Yeah. All natural well, lighting. Or maybe maybe yeah. can, but ha- has a great eye, knows how to use a glide cam. Yes. You know, Absolutely. throws a GoPro up on another thing. And yes. Got cool shots. And Shoots like, a time lapse. Great travel yeah, yeah. film. But yeah. like cool. Yeah. You're never actually on set. You're never yeah. going to see the sit the sit down dolly. You're never going to yeah, see yeah, this totally. in action. You know, that, well, that's one of my the the biggest insults I've had in my life is I got hired at Disney as a yeah. director to yeah. go because I'd done this show and they liked it and they're like, you should come in and direct this show. And then my the guy that hired me, my boss, was like, "Hey, this is Orrin Kaplan. He's a great new guy, and he's like going to be like a predator here. You know, he can do it all." Well, and you were like, like, "I don't want to be a predator. I, like, uh, I am not a predator. Uh, uh, this yeah. is not what I do." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was offended. <laughs> Yeah. Because, and that's to me what a video content creator is. And to be clear, that's not, it's not offensive to no, be that person, right? But yeah. I guess what we are... Guys, you guys are it, though. You guys are doing an online <laughs> filmmaking podcast. Yes, however... You the, guys are online content creators that, that, that have is been the, reached out to yes, online that is, for no, work. No, no, no but doubt, that is no not, doubt. it's not about being afraid. It's not about being a traditionalist, because to us... Look, I don't care. I yeah, I actually enjoy editing. Sometimes I enjoy VFX more than directing. You Absolutely. know, it depends on the job. Yeah. But when I like look at the people that I want to hire me, if I want to sell a show to Netflix, they I feel like they will be more interested in me if in my if I have like a voice and some sort of like creative vision than if I'm like good at After Effects, you know? Absolutely. And I, that's what I'm saying is don't promote yourself as like a, a VFX guy online if you're if you want to be a director. But if you want to be a VFX guy, there's nothing wrong with taking a page out of Andrew Kramer's book. I mean, that guy just worked on Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. And he, I, literally, he just he came from the Internet. I, I think know? we're talking about a couple different things. Yeah, here, really. I think yeah. it's like there's a difference between being a filmmaker who is known online and promoting yeah. themselves online, which I think we'd all have to be insane to not get behind for sure. And then I think that there's a um, a new younger breed of filmmaker that is this predator that we're describing. And I think some of this also is just like Orton and I kind of came up in that world mm-hmm. 
and like we feel like we graduated a little bit. And you don't want to be in that online yeah, yeah. world. Yeah, yeah. Well, you look Nobody at Nobody wants to. Well, you look at a Damien Chazelle or you're yeah. looking at Sam's Viebelman who was yes. on our last episode and you see like these guys didn't worry about the views gear. and likes <laughs> and, and views, gear right? and they didn't care about this cuz they were just damn good at telling a story. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. now you look at deadline. You know, I mean not that it matters yeah. at all, but yeah, like yeah, the yeah. deadline and daily variety, they're not Yeah. They're not writing about Matt's like 10 million viewed Facebook watch show. Totally. They're talking about Sam's like 500,000 viewed Hulu show, you yeah. know? And so it's like. I think there's two ways to come yeah. up, right? You can come up the traditional way. You can do the Damien Chazelle model. You can do the David Lowry model where you just like indie feature after sure. indie feature. And then finally you get noticed through the festival circuit. And then you got people like David Sandberg just did Shazam. Mm-hmm. And that guy came up through online film. He did Lights Out, which is a short film, horror film online. Mm-hmm. Did tutorials of how he made his films on Vimeo. And now, bang, gets tapped for Annabelle. Yeah, yeah that's my Gareth that. Edwards, right? You're Gareth like, Edwards. So there's like... My Gareth I mean, that's, yeah. I always like... He's like a guy I think... I see yeah. his career and I'm like, I... I I'm kind of doing the that same thing. That makes sense. I think there's, there's, there is two ways to come up, but they're... they're Nobody is a predator because they really want to be a predator. Like, I mean, look, there's some people that come up and that are like, sure. Ooh, I want to shoot weddings for the rest of my life. You know, like that person exists. Yeah. Right? yeah. But I think the vast majority and they probably have genuinely a pretty great life. Yeah, And they're probably, they're probably very happy. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. not, they're not deep seated with this. They've got like a house in Wyoming and need to prove themselves. Dude, and one be of the guys, fulfilled. they don't have any of that. They yeah. don't have to worry about any of that. One of the guys that recommended yeah. aperture lighting yeah. is like a guy that shoots like these amazing music, uh, wedding videos. Yeah. Dude, wedding videos are, they, I'm telling you that these predator kids are getting yeah. so, Sick. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh... <laughs> yeah. So just to put a pin in this conversation, sure. yeah, yeah. I think we're all saying the same thing, and yeah. I think that maybe Oren and I are chafing a little bit at the idea of not being taken seriously as and a that's, predator. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and I think like, yeah, it's the idea of like, what would you rather have, Matt? A hundred million views on your cool celebrity parody video, or? A movie at Sundance. Or an indie feature at Sundance. Of course. All of us would pick an indie feature at Sundance. A A short film at Sundance. How about that? Yeah, Yeah, even a short film. Easy. Of course. (laughs) All of us would want that. Absolutely. Wait, what do you mean all of us? I feel like you don't don't care about that as much. I do care about that. I think all of these... That's why I'm saying that that you can do this this online content world and get your short film totally financed. And you don't have to go on to Kickstarter and beg your friends for it. You can actually just have a legitimate business that you can sell to Mm -hmm. Canon... And have them pay for your film. I like the people are doing this. But none of those Canon films are getting into Sundance. They are, actually. They're doing great. They're doing fine. A lot of them, a couple of bunch of them got into South by Southwest. Uh, these these filmmakers are, are coming up. And, and that's what I'm saying is that it's so easy to, to not take them seriously. But these people don't want to be predators. Mm-hmm. They are doing predators. It's like the, it's like the Beatles. You know, they didn't want to play in a crappy in a crappy sure. bar somewhere for ten years, but <laughs> but they but they're but, in there. Yeah, yeah. They're shooting on their on their crappy glide they cam. Put in their ten thousand hours. They're putting in right. an insane number of hours. They're cutting yeah. travel video after wedding after travel video after wedding, yeah, and yeah. they're getting better at filmmaking. IndieWire had an article that actually making movies is hard references as well in a recent episode of um, fifty South by filmmakers and how they make their living. Hmm. which I think we'll share in the show notes is pretty interesting. And it's funny. I think it's really shaded by 
where you are personally in life because yeah. no one ever reads that article you skim yeah. it right you're just yeah, kind of yeah. like scrolling past yeah and i'm like oh yeah most of these people are making a living as filmmakers for mm-hmm. sure maybe they're not full-time feature filmmakers only yeah but they're not predators you know they're like i direct you know a handful of these things on that thing you know yeah. like i've got a tv job and this was the thing i shot out over hiatus or whatever is what i see yeah um and we have peers that are like oh yeah no one's making any money from filmmaking no. like it's just like whoever is if you're in the whoever's reading it circuit <laughs> on any of these major festivals you're not making a lot of money from sure. this stuff you're probably taking commercials on the side yeah, you're yeah. probably doing you can't you just can't it's, it's the number it's literally like being a pro athlete the number of people that get to play football for a living there's, there's not I that many i think you're numbers. wrong i'm talking yeah. about narrative artistic like high-end movies People we've had 160 episodes yeah. of the 160 i'd say 110 of yeah. our guests make a living doing narrative that's, that's different that's filmmaking. different i'm saying uh a hundred i'm saying people that are doing like their passion projects yeah there's not that many christopher nolans there's not a lot there. of people that can go in and get a blank check christopher nolan sure. quentin tarantino no but like, it's not about a blank we're talking about like can you make yeah, enough yeah, yeah. money to rent a nice place or buy a place in LA. But then you're still doing commercials and you're doing projects that maybe you don't want to do. Or maybe so, doing... so I would counter. Yeah, I would say that like yeah, sometimes you know we'll take a job that uh, or jobs that we aren't totally about, but thrilled you could about. Get yourself to be excited, but about I get them. excited about them for yeah, the most yeah, part because yeah. like I, you know, and I I think that the show's mission statement yeah. is anyone can direct, and I told yeah. I genuinely believe that, and I think you can make a living doing it. Yeah, like you can being paid to direct is hard, but once you get there, it is a good living. Yeah, and I think that it is. You're making trade offs sometimes, you know. Yeah. Like, I woke up this morning extra early because I was like inspired to write. But yeah. still had to go in and to a you know a gig, yeah. you know what I mean. I'm still gigging around, so like I had to go do this other thing. But uh, it is still financially viable. It's and totally re- a real way. It's to a make real money way to make speed. real money. Sure, you know I think that there's when you, you can do it without being famous. Without being famous, yeah, yeah. You don't have to be yes, Steven Spielberg. I agree with that. Yeah, I, no, I completely agree with that. You know, and yeah. you can like, and you don't have to get ten million views on YouTube. You don't have to yeah. do that either. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. But but I think your point is, yeah, it's um, but take, easier to to make a living the way we do if you're yeah. still if you're putting yourself out there. Yes, I'm, yeah. also, I'm also saying that if you take all the people that want to be filmmakers in the world, it's it's hard to to make a living directing. You can, but it's still hard. It's still a hustle. It's still something that you have to work at and yeah. put yourself into. And I mean, for you guys, I mean, are you, are you saying it was easy then for you guys to feel like you guys were able to direct and make a living off of it? No, 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 no. I mean, it was, I'm sure it's like I think very hard, right? It's not for everyone. I think that if, yeah. you, if you gave everyone the opportunity to live like a couple years doing yeah. this, yeah. I think 80% of them would be like, you know... I don't want to do this. I want a job job. You know, I, I want yeah. my weekends back or I don't want to wake up early or whatever. Like the lifestyle yeah. is specific, yeah. you know. The highs are high and the lows and are the low. the lows are low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and do you feel like it's gotten easier then as you guys have continued on or do you feel like... Absolutely not. Really? So you think it was, it was I just think... as hard now after you guys have kind of established yourselves a little bit as when you were first trying to establish yourselves? I think it's harder now. 
I think the budgets we get are way bigger yeah. and the number of jobs we get is way fewer. Yeah. And that's why it's harder because when we first started, we were making shooting stuff every week. Yeah. And now we're shooting stuff once a month if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, and so we don't have that when you're shooting stuff, when you're busy, yeah. you're happy, you know? Yeah. yeah. And when you're losing out on a job, you're very sad. But so when you're doing like a thousand dollar a day, Gig, a like shoot day, funny or die shoots. Yeah, like a thousand dollar a week, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Like yeah, gigs. But you got one every week. You're like excited. You're working with people. You're collaborating. When you're doing, you know, fifteen thousand dollar a day gigs, but you get one every two months. Yeah. You're actually making more money. But, but you're you like feel like you're working less. You're pitching and you're losing. You're pitching and, you're, and you yeah. got a job and then it drops out and then you have a project and, and it's not going. You're still pitching more or less the same number of times. So if yeah. you don't get those pitches, it's a bigger loss actually because it feels as if each one is more important. Yeah. Each job that you guys are getting. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that, that makes and as you sense. get older, like when yeah. you're in your twenties and everyone's like sleeping on couches and yeah drinking natty ice or whatever like you know you have your time when you're like don't care about things but when you're like getting older and people have kids and people have you're like i need mortgages and this 15 car payment job i need this to Mm -hmm. be able to yeah health insurance absolutely do you know how much it costs to have a kid it's over a million dollars i actually don't don't know like i meant the just the medical part well but i don't know that either well, that, that, but you have to I have think health what I'm insurance. talking about is the couches thing because mm-hmm. again, you guys can tell me too about what, what what the audience is that listens to this podcast. But I feel like there's a lot of people. I think my experiences with with Aperture and with Indie Mogul is that there's a lot of people out there that are have a DSLR. Mm-hmm. They want to be a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. They want to be a director. They would love to be in in your shoes where they have a fifteen thousand dollar commercial. And like just that idea to them is just so insurmountable and impossible to them. Sure. And those people, it's almost like paralysis, right? They're just like stuck. They can't, they don't know what move to make, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and there is freedom in being that predator, right? There yeah, is absolutely. freedom in being like, yeah. you know what? I don't need to go to film school yeah. because I can do everything myself. And maybe the first yeah. film isn't good. And maybe the 20th film isn't good. But eventually... Yeah. You're going to get better incrementally. Were right? you guys predators prior to commercial writing? So you I guys jumped straight into just no, no. I, I was more of a yeah predator. I mean, I would like I, you know, I kind of came up during like the days of Super Deluxe and Adam yeah. Film. Actually, Matt worked on the other side at Comedy Central at that Absolutely, time. Absolutely, yeah. But I was pitching and shooting and editing and writing and yeah. casting and you know we'd hire crew, but and more yeah. or less. Me and whoever friend I was working with, we would do everything on that. Right there is boring. hell. That's so hard. Yeah, it's hella, hella that's hell. Hard. That's terribly hard. Oren can operate a camera, and I don't want to say I can't, but I yeah. haven't. You no, know what I mean? You don't, you don't have to. But you, yeah. didn't, you never the geeked dream, out about yeah. auto white balance or anything. That's the no. dream. People yeah. want that. What I'm saying is that I'm not saying go be an online content creator if you've already directed commercials. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that online content isn't what it used to be of just like this is all like cat videos and sure. stuff like that well and i created a web series called squaresville that was like an early tv quality style show basically yeah absolutely and so and you did this personal project on your own money correct where'd you release it youtube youtube yeah <laughs> come on yeah. Yeah. you guys are literally the indie sure. online sure. content sure that is that is yeah. I feel like we're we're agreeing, and right, it right, sounds right. like right. an argument. It does. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, the one thing we're disagreeing on is like how. Um, yeah. I, I guess I came in saying, if you are a filmmaker, mm-hmm. 
I prefer, like, if you call yourself a director, I yeah. think that's cooler than if you call yourself a video content no, I creator. No, t- wait, I totally agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think we're, yeah. we all, all agree. What, what I'm saying is that you can be a director and make content about directing. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad way to sell yourself, to put your reel out there, to get people to know and follow your work. Um, if you're a DP, you can be a DP first and then make content mm-hmm. about being a DP. I mean, every DP posts right, cool but on Instagram. Instagram. But when you yeah. introduce yourself, like if you're the CEO of You should of never Rogaine. introduce yourself as, I'm a content creator. But <laughs> it does help to be like, hey, I'm a DP. And then don't even mention it. And they'll look you up. Yeah. They will. They're going to look you up. And then they're going to look up your following. And that kind of helps to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, this but, is the most followed Instagram DP. Or, or like, oh, these shots are dope. Or these shots are dope. Somehow we've gotten you to interview us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's does, talk does about... You, often? Well, you do have your own podcast. So, I do have my own podcast. So that's, yeah. Maybe your, your hosting instincts are just oh, kicking it's just, in. It's fun, too. It's fun because we're, we're, we're hanging out and, and talking. First Wait, time, so, so. Yeah. Yeah. is yeah. your background as a DP? Is that how you... Did you go to film school? I came out as a film school, yeah. UCLA? Uh, UCLA. I went to UCLA, UCLA film school. No way. Yeah, undergrad. Why are you talking about... <laughs> you're talking about USC, yeah, sure. Matt. Is it no, because I studied engineering. That would do it. I <laughs> uh, went to film school. I was kind of the golden boy in film school, being totally honest. Undergrad still. or grad? Undergrad. Total waste of time. Right. Well, UCLA oh, is only two years, right? Yeah, two years. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a total waste of time. It's a real gamble, too, right? Because you, yeah. you can't, uh, you can't declare. You can't they, even, yeah, you can't apply. That's true. Yeah, yeah, they've apparently changed it recently. Oh, good. So I, I went in for undergrad. But uh, Coppola went there, right? Who went yeah, there? Uh, some I don't know. some yeah, big wigs. people. Coppola did. What I'm trying to yeah. say is that it was it was not worth any of it. <laughs> did you, know? you, you? So you didn't find any peers or practice? No, I, or? I did, but if you're going there to learn practical things, I think you'll learn close to nothing. Fine being is that I think film school was a total waste of time, but uh, just to the predator thing. And then I started working over at Studio 71. So what is Studio 71? Studio 71 is a multi-channel network. So mm-hmm. it's for YouTube creators. Was it like, was yeah. it that the collective? Yeah, that was CDS. It yeah, was the yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So gotcha. I changed into, changed into Studio oh. 71. Did you work at, when yeah. you started when it was called the collective? Yeah, at CDS. So um, I was just doing kind of indie commercials at the time. And they were just really small, kind of low budget stuff. I came on to my friend's production company. I had a mentor that shot mm-hmm. kind of all the Discovery Shark Week stuff. So okay. I would go on as kind of his B-cam shooters, mm-hmm. would help out and shoot this content. Um, and I was able to help out as I came on as like a B-string director. So I did a lot of their, uh, you know, like the BMW corporate in, in-house videos, <laughs> educational things like that. Industrial uh, stuff. But I made a living, you know. I made a living as an actual shooter director, you know. Wait, so you were an employee of Studio yeah. 71 or you were freelance? So first I went freelance. And then I ended up going on to Studio 71. And when I came on to Studio 71, I ended up just kind of helping out on the management side. So I, I, I yeah. came from there. Uh, and then basically, I was just helping out um, one, of my, one of my directing mentors, who was just kind of bringing me on all, to all that Shark League stuff. And uh, at one point, I was just helping him out with a gig. He was like, it's kind of a low-paying gig, but if you can help me out, it'd be great. Uh, he's like, I'm going to pay you back on something six months later. Uh, I end up dropping off some lenses. I'm shooting a little project, dropping off a kit of some CP2s. At a DP's house, and on the on the couch is sitting the director, and the director looks over and he's like, "Oh my gosh, Ted, uh, I never paid you back for that thing." And I was like, "This is a crazy." The director of- that owed you the favor. Yeah, I'm sitting down on this couch, and he's like, "It's like 11 p.m. Dropping off some lenses," <laughs> and he says, uh, "I never paid you back for that thing." Uh, oh my gosh, no! I said I was going to do something. I said I was never ever going to like, you know, like ask people to like help me out without Flake paying them back on yeah, something. Yeah. Flake. 
And I'm like, dude, it's fine. I, yeah. I literally don't care. I'm fine with helping out. It's not a big deal. Uh, and he literally tells me, he's like, no, no, no. Um, 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 um. Hey, you want a job? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Any job that gets offered at yeah. 11 p.m. in the yeah. middle of the night is an awful job. I don't want this. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, um, I'm a. I, I, they offered, this company offered me this job, and I'm a planning. He's he's head of digital development over at ABC right now. Uh, he's like, I'm going this this new ABC job, and uh, I think you'd be really good for it. And I was like, ah, no, don't want this, not at all. Uh, but work was kind of slow at the time, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go in and see and just do an interview and we'll see how it yeah, goes. Just see what's up. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I head on out and probably 30 miles east of Wait, LA. Is there a, a job title for this job? Or there's, it's just uh, helping manage an up and coming gear company. Okay. And I was like, uh, I'm not really interested, but I was kind of a gear nerd at the time. I'd geek out about the specs. I read the online, you know, sure. all, all the periodicals about what was new and coming out. And I met at the time who was the, the kind of initial investor of Aperture. And we sit down, we have this conversation, and I'm kind of spooked out because of this like empty warehouse, and there's like a spotlight basically there, and there's a chair, and you I think, sit down, and I have this quick little interview. What do you think the light, interview. though, huh? That's good, this light. Yeah, I already said no. I basically walked in and was just like, hey, I don't really think this is for me, but like, nice to meet you. Maybe I can recommend somebody else. And we hit it off, and we start talking about gear, and his whole thing is, he's like, hey, I come from this thing called Digital Rev TV. I think uh, there's all this online content being made now, and... Here's the thing is that I think that gear companies right now aren't making stuff for them. They're making stuff for studios. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can tell you right now that it's like a weird thing right now when normal people buy stuff that's priced for studios. Like Disney asks you, they're like, hey, how much do you want to buy a light? And Disney, if it's Disney, if they're your client, it's like, you know, F you. It's like 7K sure, light. Don't right. care. So we end up having this long conversation about gear. He asks me to bring a couple pieces of gear that I really loved at the time. Mm -hmm. I had, uh, <clears throat> not going to name drop here, but I had light a panel. No, 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 no. <clears throat> I brought like shoulder rigs and stuff like that. And yeah. I remember he was pointing out and he was like, that shoulder rig right there probably costs, you know, anywhere between 15 to $16 to make material costs. Right, right. And he's like, and is the R&D that crazy on this kind of thing? It's like two bike handles. So he's like pointing out all this stuff. He's like, hey, this, <clears throat> whatever this is that's happening right now is going to blow up. It's going to be a thing. Uh, indie filmmakers are going to start taking more and more jobs. Uh, and a lot like the current structure of like, you know, you've got you've got agency commercials and things mm -hmm. like that. Here's the thing: is that that world is, is kind of getting smaller right sure. now. Sure, yeah, and yeah, all they, these it's they're taking now. smaller and smaller rates for sure. Yeah, Absolutely, the margins are shrinking, the budgets yeah. are going down. And look, I, I know I'm sure there's a lot of high end people that they hate this and they put all the blame on the online content creators sure. and they put all the blame on all these new indie filmmakers and it's like, look, this is going to happen. This is just this is just what happens when the internet happens and when when uh, a really small kind of niche craft becomes open and accessible for everyone to do, right. all the rates are going to drop. It's just going to happen. Well, I think the blame isn't... it. Yes, some people are just like bitter, but I, other people, I think like us, are upset when the number of subscribers you have is more important than your I talent. I hate it. I hate it. I think it's the dumbest thing in the world, but... Uh, what's the quote? It's like the internet won. Get over it. It's like <laughs> I hate it. It's so true, yeah, honestly. Yeah. And and what's funny about me is that I think people think that I'm like super social media savvy, but it's like here's the thing: I don't check anything online. I don't post. I have a thing that blocks my Facebook feed. I don't post to Instagram. Wait, do you, do you have my a for assistant real? helps me post everything on Instagram. I don't read anything online because it's mind numbing for me, and it gives me a headache, and I, I, yeah. I just I can't do it. I literally can't do it, but I will post and I'll be a part of it because I realize 
how important it is. And <clears throat> real quick for the after story, we blew up because this online filmmaking community embraced us. Mm-hmm. And now after two, three years of doing it, if you're online making content, you're using Aperture Gear. And now because of that, and, and Disney, Aperture makes lights. What yeah, else? We do. It's all lights. Oh, you don't just do hand, like rigs, the handheld, no, the shoulder lights. rig. No, I was just bringing that. You know, in they're, they're real cheap to make. You know, no, I'm not interested <laughs> in making anything like that. So we blew um, up from there, and now now it's like um, you know Disney, Warner Brothers. They all use our lights on their studio sets now. We're on the three ton, five ton crib trucks, and it's like, is it because you're more affordable? It's because we're more affordable, but we. Again, we, we wouldn't need to be there at all. We could be fine just with the indie filmmaking community. But now we've reached a point that's like, because we're self-sufficient and because, you know, with the old model, it was like you had to make a certain amount of money mm-hmm. on each studio buy because you weren't going to sell that many lights. There's just right. not that many customers the, in the yeah, world. Right, 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 right. But now everyone's a customer. And Everyone's also, shooting video now. And LEDs, all guys, are, yeah. like it's, uh, you can run on house power. You're not going to burn the building down. There's Absolutely. a There's like a confluence of things that made this possible that it yeah. couldn't have happened 50 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? But are you guys, you're not 100% LED, are you? We're all LEDs. Yeah. Oh, really? So 100%? We're all LEDs. What's again, your, the, you've, the, got, you've got a new yeah. light that's super dope. You know, it's relatively punchy, but you mm-hmm. you can add like an attachment to it and yeah, make it more. Yeah, bones mount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like a Joker, but an yeah. LED version. Yeah, exactly. So, but you jo- know how much a Joker costs? Like yeah. eight grand. Eight, eight grand. Jo- yeah, and between four to six. You could put one Joker on one circuit. If yeah. you put us anything else on on that circuit, your whole house goes down. You're yeah. talking about tungsten. The H- HMIs are pretty sure, sure, pretty but, efficient, yeah. but yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, I guess that's true. That's the advantage of a Joker. But 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 my point is though is that that we're even talking about balancing things on different circuits is yeah. a thing that if you're 25, you don't even fucking know why we're even talking know. about it. You have no idea. Yeah. I guarantee there's the, the new generation coming up is going to be like ultra bright monitors. Why do I need that? It's like, no, cause you literally couldn't see your monitor if you were in the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would cut a cereal box just to see your like literal <laughs> yeah. monitor. You know, like we've all seen it. We've all seen people, DPs like putting their shirt over their head. Trying yeah, to look sure. the monitor. Yeah. Yeah. They've and got, like decently big sets too. Like, they've got like, the, uh, the lower back is sunburned yeah. because, uh, and 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 all of a sudden we've got a bunch of people that don't need to be trained mm-hmm. on generators that don't need to be trained on power right. distribution. Well, that are the people that selling that are selling gloves pissed off at you guys? <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone. Again, it's like here's the thing though: if we didn't exist, it would still come. If not us, it'd be somebody else, right? You know. And I, again, the, the, I think the point that I'm trying to make is just like it's so weird that right now the studios use us. And they love us and they tell us the costs are great. It's fantastic. We love this. We couldn't believe things could be so affordable. But it's like, yeah, the only reason it's affordable is because like there's a bunch of owner operators that buy the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't gotcha. have we don't have so five customers anymore. Right, right. We can we don't have to make fifty percent margin on things. We can make five percent margin right. off a whole bunch of people. And it's okay. And it makes everything cheaper, everything's more affordable. Um, it's a weird world out there. Yeah. So, it was doing Aperture for five, six years. We did a whole bunch of film lighting tutorials. We brought on a bunch of awesome DPs. Andy Riz came on. We brought up a whole bunch of just like fantastic kind of like Netflix. And you just met him online. Yeah. And honestly, because we were so popular online, because we were just a part of this online filmmaking community, we would just reach out to people. And like big people are online too. Like Claudia Miranda's online. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, huge ASC guys are online. And uh, we would just talk to people, reach out and say, hey, do you want to come on and just teach some lighting tutorials? Mm -hmm. And because of that, we started growing a little after lighting channel. It's all free. It's just lighting educational tutorials. Well, and it's also what perfect marketing. It's perfect marketing. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I think our whole thing is like if it smells like marketing, that's because it's 
are you allowed to curse on this channel? Sure, yeah. Because it smells like shit marketing. <laughs> it's terrible. If it smells like marketing, that's because yeah. it's shit marketing. And uh, yeah. we don't have to be... I, don't, I can just tell people, too. It's like, yeah, of course it's marketing. But it's also educational stuff yeah. that you want to learn anyways. We're showing you how to light something with our yeah, lights. Yeah, exactly. If you want to learn how to do that. Absolutely. It works for all lights. Yeah. Yeah. So with the um, indie mogul thing, it was really that... Uh, Honestly, for a while, I'd been thinking about just starting up a YouTube channel about mm-hmm. just educating and just, and really it's because I wanted to learn more about filmmaking. And when I started doing this lighting channel, I had all of a sudden, I had all these people reaching out to me. I had people that like, like drone operators reach out to mm-hmm. me. I had, you know, fantastic, like I had, uh, the guy that shot Steadicam on, on, um, the Revenant came out mm-hmm. and like literally all these people all of a sudden like fantastic cinematographers right. were reaching out and saying like, oh, you know, like we'd, I would love to be a part of this channel sometime. And it was just a freaking marketing lighting channel. Like yeah. it was literally commercials. And all of a sudden I'm meeting all these filmmakers. I'm meeting all these cinematographers from this online space. And uh, I couldn't bring them onto the show because it's 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 a lighting channel. I can't tell you about steady cams. I can't right. talk about cameras. Right, right. So with Indie Mogul, I'd been thinking about starting my own channel for a while. And then the timing happened to be perfect. Me and Justin Johnson ended up talking online. Uh, and I reached out and he was like, hey, do you know of anybody that would be a good host for any mogul? Because you know a lot of these online creators. And I was like, well, funny you say that. You know, I'm thinking like, about doing this. Well, yes, I do. And, j- and just to make yeah. sure that everyone's uh, on the same page, Indie Mogul is kind of a longstanding early yeah. um, YouTube channel. It was actually one of the next new network channels that like Kathleen Grace helped found. She was on a couple episodes ago. That was hosted by Eric Beck and Justin Johnson. Justin Johnson, and then who? There was a Griffin Hammond. Griffin, and then Russell there was Hassenauer, one other dude, Zach Finrock. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And of. Even Grace Randolph came from Indie Mogul. It's honestly, it's like there's a kind of a legendary history to this. Yeah, it's a, and and you know, it was built on like kind of the same sort of ethos that we're all talking about of like, hey, yeah. you can make movies too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can melt a face just like an Indiana Jones with some cool crayons and a blow dryer. <laughs> yes. And like, I think the reputation of it was for being like super DIY. I'm not that guy, right? Right. And right. here's the thing is that like most of the reason, the way that I'm doing the show is I've got some amazing guests. Like I've got the guy that shoots uh, aerials for, he just was, he was on the new Top Gun. I Like literally mm. just before this podcast, because of Indie Mogul, uh, this guy reached out and was like, hey, I shoot aerials for like Top Gun. Do you want to come shoot, like come hang out and be on this heli shoot? Yeah, so literally cool. two hours ago, I was sitting on a helicopter with him. The only reason that this happened is because uh, we just started making some content about lighting. Sure, yeah. And all of a sudden, the world opens up. And I think as filmmakers, we love to be like hermits and like not talk to other people and like not meet people. And it's like there is, I think a lot of people think that filmmaking isn't really a communal thing. And, and you know, what what I'm doing right now in terms of online content is not filmmaking. I'm not going to claim that it is, but it is video creating and it's people that are passionate about the process of making, mm-hmm. you know, cinematic footage. And for those people, uh, there's totally a community, man. There's totally people out there and like you just start making stuff and you'll reach out and you'll find all these other filmmakers that are out there too. So, Do you think there could be too many people making content about filmmaking? 100%. There's already, there already is. There I already do have is. to really like watch my diet of like content about content do you watch do you consume a lot of content I, like, this is content about content. no i know and well and i listen to every episode uh yeah. of this show yeah. in addition to recording it and then you know like i'll listen to the moment is the new one that we just got turned on to or like to what's the moment uh the moment is ted koppelman who wrote rounders and is 
the showrunner on Billions now. Wow. And he's like pretty fascinating. He's like got a lot of swagger and then like gives yeah. screenwriting advice, but also just interviews other creative people. Yeah. He was a record executive before this, yeah. which I didn't realize. So, you know, there's that. There's Sam Jones. You know, there's all. Yeah. If you wanted to only learn about filmmaking and other artists it would be easy especially it's if so easy now mostly you're listening to podcasts on a commute to burbank yeah I, your question's a really good one is there ever a point that there's too much content about making content and it makes me want to vomit when i hear it i'm like oh it sounds gross like i don't want to be a part of that i think the way that the world is going in there's two things that are happening one and again, like I want to pull my hair out as I hear it. But you know what? The internet won. Get over it. It's already happening. One, every business is going to try to become an influencer. And every influencer is going to try to make a business out of their influence. And I think that applies for freelancers as well to some extent. I think, yes, there's like your kind of, uh, you know, it's called tentpole content mm-hmm. houses about making content, right? But the days of BuzzFeed and all these like big video houses are gone. BuzzFeed's not popular anymore. BuzzFeed laid off a bunch of staff. And you know what? A lot of people say that's because online content's dying. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what's happening. What's happening is you're getting super nicheified. This is the stuff that political people complain about, that everyone's in an echo chamber. It is going... That applies to professional stuff. Mm-hmm. The cinematography about music videos that look like this is now a chamber. And you can follow somebody in that space that does content about that exact thing. The cinematography about people that do comedy and just sketches like SNL that there's an influencer in that space as well. And what I'm trying to say is that, uh, and there's one person who's really excited about it. And there's one person who's kind of dry and talks about like, it like this. And I think Bo Burnham was talking about, it. he was like, you know, it's, 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 it's hell, right? Everybody is all of a sudden a creator and a consumer at the same time. But I think that's happening. And if that's the case, then no, there's never a limit to the number of people that make content about making content. It's just, uh, there's a lot of them now. There's more competition. But it's never too late to start doing it because you're already doing You're posting on Facebook. Are you posting on Instagram? Right. Sure. I, I guess, and you're already one of those people. I guess to me there's... Sorry, I love to overgeneralize. But there's sure, two please. types of people. Yeah. There's the people that make content and then show how they made it, Right. Like mm-hmm. Freddie W, like the behind the scenes. I kind of think Ryan that's Connelly. like what Matt and I yeah. are like. This and is the, then, this channel is you guys go yeah. do professional projects and then you talk about the behind the right. scenes of it. And sure. then there's yeah. people who only talk about how to make stuff. Yes. And those are the people that I feel like they Look, are contributing a, something, but it they it's it's, it's like a as, technical as genuine to. It's not that it's not genuine. It's just it's not like artistic. Or, I don't know unless they yeah. have a real like a Tony. Shay, how do you Zhao, like, every, every frame painting, yeah, 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 like, like, um, he is, he's breaking down how people make things, but it's so artistic the way he does it, and he, he's a storyteller, you know, absolutely, and he happens to be telling stories about storytellers, yeah, absolutely. I look, I think we all can agree that there's a spectrum of like full on snake oil. Yeah, and, and that's purist, the dangerous, right? That's the danger. But it's not and, even snake oil, like the person that's like, I'm going to yeah. unbox this camera and tell you all what the buttons sure, are. Sure, sure. But it's w- not snake oil. It's just like... Look, there have been times on this data. show where yeah. we'll make a joke out of it, but we, well, we will answer, say, a listener question that we are vaguely qualified to answer. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But you have to be really careful that you're not 
purporting to yourself as an expert. Like we are yeah. experts in a very specific and narrow thing that we are doing. Yeah, and we're definitely. trying to be clear about what that is yeah. but it's easy to just kind of like i'm the master I'm, of shooting yeah. weddings yeah, i'm yeah. the master of yeah i'm sure. the master of comedy sketches and i think because of this new world and because of this exact creator thing that's happening everybody all of a sudden acts like an expert mm-hmm. i'm right. the expert right. of this i'm the expert of this and i I don't know what the solution is to that because I get it, right? If you're a viewer, you want to listen to someone that has some authority, right? Mm-hmm. But like even on even on Indie Mogul, like the way that I do it is I'm like, hey, I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. I don't know what's going on. Right. You but get to be the audience proxy of like, I'm going right. to Teach bring me on. Expert. Yeah. I don't know how to shoot aerials. I've never been in hell. I haven't been in a helicopter in 15 years when I went on vacation in Las Vegas. You sure, know, sure. I, I haven't done any of this. But here's this guy that's super freaking good at this and let's interview him about this. But so let, let's yeah. take a, a step out because... You're not saying everyone start a YouTube channel about filmmaking or a podcast about filmmaking, mm-hmm. right? What are you saying practically in terms of the person who's in a smaller market who lives in yeah. Michigan and has been shooting a bunch of videos, right? Yeah. Like maybe does some local commercials, maybe works at a news station, you yeah. know, kind of is living the hustle of like a yeah. smaller market sort of situation. I'm saying it's not too late to start curating a social media presence for yourself and however you want to do it right if it's a podcast if it's youtube if it's instagram Mm -hmm. like i know people that like literally like do you guys listen to those playlists on youtube the guy doesn't make the music he just like curates a bunch of like majestic casual and like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff like Like the lo-fi tunes lo-fi tunes you know that that guy's throwing concerts now he like represents musicians now it's it's like like, a crazy phenomenon it's a whole thing now ted i want to ask you just to clarify are you saying one way in to get jobs and be more known and get and build a community is to have a social presence or are you saying it's really hard to make it without a social presence I'm saying you can make it without a social presence. I think every day that goes by, your social presence starts to become more important. And I don't like it either. (laughs) But it's happening. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, 10 years ago, if you were an actor or an actress, nobody cared about how many Zango friends you had. That wasn't a thing. Sure. But now it's like they do look at this stuff. And, like, it's in the same way that, like, do you guys remember when people started like uh, they were like, "Oh, you got to Google your name because employers are gonna like Google your name sure. after you walk out of that interview room because you got to make sure that there's not some photo of you getting drunk in Daytona." Like that equivalent, I think, is starting to happen for filmmakers, and I think without a doubt, you guys are you guys are fortunate to have, have jumped that already. I think you guys have been we, able to... You still have to have a reel. You still have to yeah. have a website that looks good. But those are like the goal. That's like the dream. I just have to be seen. My work just has to be seen and they'll recommend me from that. I think you guys are actually more established. You guys were able to jump past that. I think for people that are just starting off now, I think that they are maybe being judged less heavily on their work and a lot more on their social media. And I, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. But I think that um, it's hard. It, it's both. One, it's hard now to do it without any kind of essentially you need like marketing experience to be able to market yourself online Two, um, it does help a lot to just have some kind of presence. And I'm not saying you got to make some how to channel about how to shoot weddings or something. Like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, find some way, you know, you don't have to make it yourself. Again, you can curate content. I'm not saying steal content. I'm just saying like, you know, you can curate an aesthetic of things that like represent things that you like. 
Mm-hmm. And then maybe people will follow that. And then you can say, oh, I curate that thing. And like, look, it's always hell starting this stuff off in the beginning. But the second that everyone can do it and it's no problem to start, that's when there's no more value in it. Mm-hmm. So you're not too late. If you were to do it now, in the same way that I think this podcast, I'm not, I'm not saying that you guys are doing it for that reason. I'm just saying that in the same way that I think this podcast is a fantastic thing to have as a filmmaker, just as a resource of a way to, you know, kind of have a following, have an audience that likes your opinion, your view take on things. Um, I, I, it's just such a valuable thing for someone to have right now. We have, I guess the podcast, we have websites and we have, you know, my Instagram's doing, doing okay. But if I'm a listener to this podcast and I hear you saying like, and, and, and I've just made this amazing short film and I just got into a festival, mid tier festival and I'm working on my feature script. And then I hear you say, Oh, now I have to go build this online presence. It's It's just stressful. It is (laughs) stressful. I think it's the same way that any business owner feels. Oh, I want to start a a headband company. I want to start a headphones company. I can't tell you how many times I've told my in-laws they they have two car shops in Ohio. And And I'm like, why? You guys have two reviews on Yelp. Get more Yelp reviews. They're like, yeah, we don't want to waste time I don't want to spend time on Yelp, but is Yelp important? Oh, gosh. It's so, oh, gosh. (laughs) Again, yeah, my dad has a a restaurant in in D.C. And, uh, you know, he sweats so much thinking about Yelp reviews. It's not a... I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying it's important and it's probably here to stay. And you have to be aware of the fact that filmmaking is a business. Is a business. And also, you are a brand that's in the public eye in a way that's different than other professions. Definitely. Again, there there are people that can can get jobs and just say, oh, this is an amazing director. He's done the kind of work that I want to do. But I think a lot of people also view it as, uh, what's this director's brand? Sure. Do I want this brand of humor? humor mm-hmm. If you as a director want people yeah. to hire you for your taste, you need to show people what your taste is. Yeah, you know? And again, right. you don't have to make how-tos to do that. You can talk about the movies you like. You yeah. can curate some art that you like. You can. There's just a lot of creative ways to do it now. Look, imagine you're a producer. You're sitting there. You got two DPs. They're both great. You've seen both the rails. They're both great. Who you gonna Who you gonna hire? You gonna hire the one with 10k or 100? 100. And I, I hate it, right? But it's just a thing now. And I, again, I don't like I'm, it. I'm it's not better. totally convinced that numbers are are a thing. It's more relationships and stuff will always come first. Yeah, but, whether but someone if likes it's cool your personal not, taste, if if the yeah. if your Instagram feed is cool and matches what yeah. I'm looking at, it's happening right now in photography. That's real. Um, <clears throat> Again, the reason I'm plugged into the photography world because of Aperture, you know, they're like, they're an audience of ours. Most of the photography podcasts or photography channels, like almost everybody, you know, has an episode about a photographer that's lost gigs because of social media following. And that's just like, it's horrible. Yeah. And I don't, I think it's coming to film, Mike, and is what I'm trying to say. You yeah, know? that's real. And yeah. I think maybe we're just... Unplugged Reluctant, and I don't want it. I don't no. want it. I don't want it. Why can't I? Why can't I hear about the golden days yeah. of, of sitting on the curb by a film sure. set? A grip comes over and is like, "Hey, you want a job in the movie industry? Come be my apprentice. Come hang." Out. That sounds great. Oh gosh, oh my skin crawls. I want it. You know, but uh, but here we are. We should probably wrap things up pretty soon. Sure. But yeah, I'm yeah. curious, what your are you building towards anything specific? Like, would you yeah. want a DP? A, big studio film or direct more TV yeah, what, episodes? What, what's the five-year plan or, for or, or is the five-year plan more about growing Indie Mogul and Aperture? Man, that is a deep question. Sure, why, man. Have I, why have I not heard this? The I tables have turned. I do a lot of interviews. <laughs> Indie you know? Mogul is the same way as what you guys are talking about. There's yeah. not really a plan. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that, too, because 
Uh, you know, I'm putting a bunch of my own time and I'm putting a bunch of my own resources into sure. it. Yeah. But I'm the reason we're doing Indie Mogul is because the opportunity was there. I know I wanted to start this channel. And I just thought we could do a really good job at it. Because we already do the aperture lighting stuff. I've been doing that for four or five years, teaching lighting tutorials about this stuff. And when I say teaching, I mean bringing guests on and learning from them. Wait, can can I, maybe I'll rephrase my question. What gets you more excited? Teaching people about filmmaking or making films? Making films, of course. I went to film school. Well, yeah, but but, I, but that's not. I feel like that's the default answer, but it's not always sure. And, true. and look, week to week, mm-hmm. if you compare the amount of time I spend yeah. on this podcast, yeah. to working the gig that I'm on, to writing the passion project, sometimes it looks like clearly I'm, you know, shirking my other responsibilities and I'm writing basically full time. Yeah, and sometimes it looks like I want to be a full time podcaster. And that's kind of like week to week. Do you know what I mean? I do understand what you mean. I mean, hosting this podcast is more fun than being in my room writing. Yeah. And sometimes it's like nice just to have a distraction that it's feels so productive. Nice to, you but know? It, it is productive. It Again, is productive, I'm saying yeah. it is productive. You guys are, are meeting cool people and you guys are talking to, you know, not me, obviously, but the other people that you have on this podcast. Cool people. Very cool. And I think that really ultimately <laughs> yeah. your point, and this is... You have Certainly a platform. The, the you thing, an audience. You, you have an audience and things that stack, right? Ted Koppelman was talking about this, about this on the episode I was listening to on the way over. Just putting in the time yeah. a couple hours a week, a few years from now, all of a sudden you've got a thing that is going to pan out in ways that you can't expect. And as long as it doesn't die, it'll grow. Yeah. And like I think people think like, oh, it has to take off immediately. It's like, no, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it, and you'll never know what's going to happen. Answer your question. Yeah, filmmaking. Absolutely. I went to film school. I want to make movies. But I think somewhere along the line, I just started having so much fun with the gear stuff and just having so much fun, like making lights and like just like being able to design and like work. Like we actually like help in design. We'll literally like drop. I wasn't, I'm not, unlike you, I didn't go to engineering school, went to film school. So for me to be able to like sit there, hear a bunch of feedback online and be able to like work on like CAD drawings for new lights. That's awesome. That's like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, it's incredible. And to be able to have this experience with Indie Mogul now, like again, I didn't, ex- I, I was like, all I know is that we can do a good job with this channel. All I know is that I know a bunch of cool filmmakers that come on and teach some stuff. And now all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you know, it's just got a helicopter like that. I never would have had that experience. Wait, flew but, all over the world too, right? Yeah. Flew all mm. over the world. Just, I, I had the awesome experience of talking to all my favorite filmmakers um, cinematography database, Matt Workman, just like I just meeting all my heroes. And um, wait, but why? Why, why do you want to be a this? filmmaker? Why, why not? I, I mean, you could probably make more money owning a oh, lighting absolutely. company it's than being lucrative. a filmmaker. What's why does anybody what's the want draw? To be a just filmmaker? because you went to film school, you feel like you no, owe it to your parents or something? No, I think everybody wants. I mean, filmmaking is awesome. I don't even know how to answer that. It's it's, it's amazing. It's 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 what I want to do long term, but. Um, I think for now, I'm, I'm, look, I think people always think of it as in like, you're either doing it or you're not, you know? And it's like, uh, am I, am I talking to a bunch of filmmakers? Am I on set? I'm probably on set, like probably like 150 days out of the year. Am I like meeting a bunch of fantastic people? Like, yes. Am I making movies? No. But, uh, you know, when that day comes, I don't think it's a bad place to start. Mm-hmm. And in the meanwhile, Guys, you got to eat. <laughs> got to eat. And in the meanwhile, I really like this thing. I'm having a lot of fun. 
people always approach it as in like you have one passion in life and everything else is shit. No, it's like, no, that's not the case. Like I have fun doing this. I have fun doing Indie Mogul. And in the meanwhile, it gets to scratch kind of a creative itch. But maybe it's not, you know, it's not me at my fullest putting myself on the screen so everyone can see. I'm not, I'm, that's not what's happening here. Yeah, I guess I've just sort been thinking of. a lot about like how you you can define yourself by what you say you are. But really what you are is like what you spend your time on. You yes, know? you're 100% and right. So you and can in that say, case, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a video creator, and I'm a host. And in that case, uh, am I doing exactly what I want to be doing? I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's that easy of a question. When I go to bed, I'm still thinking about making movies. But... I'm having a lot of fun and I'm, 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 I'm not mad at the way that things are going. Uh, I'm just having a good time. And, you know, I think the indie mogul for me is also just a, a big step in trying to be able to get back onto set, mm-hmm. be able to shoot content, make my own stuff, be able to do my own thing uh, and do it as a personal project outside of Aperture. So maybe it's not a huge step, but for me, it's kind of baby steps towards making original things that are mine showing myself, being able to express myself. It's already been a huge step for me to be like, hey, it's Ted from Aperture, where I was like a little bit more corporate, to just being like, hey, it's Ted. Today we're going to talk about whatever the hell I feel like talking about. So like, I feel really good about the direction things are going in. Can I ask just a functional question about the way the channel works? Are there other people involved? I think anyone that's online has someone behind them that helps them out. Uh, the good thing Shout about Aperture, Jay and Madeline, Ooh, there we Madeline, go. Our producer and Jay, thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Uh, I think anyone online has a, has a little team that helps them out. Even the, the thing about this stuff is that it has to feel like it's just like one or two people that are doing mm-hmm. it, and there's always people that help out. Uh, the good thing about Aperture is that I already have a team that makes Aperture content, mm-hmm. so I already had a shooter, an editor, I already had a director and a producer that would pull together all those shoots. With Indie Mogul, because it's a personal project and because it's my own funds into it. It's just two people. I have my best friend, Min, who's basically just an amazing editor. He comes from Disney, basically helping out in the in-between because he's like, oh, this sounds like a fun project. I would like to, instead of doing, uh, he was doing, he's doing mostly commercials, but he was like, I want to be able to just try this YouTube thing out. Why the heck not? Uh, Min helps me out. He cuts it. That's why the channel looks the way it does. And then I also have Tway, who's an amazing content creator, who's uh, honestly was just an intern at Aperture. And I was like, you're too good at this. Get over here and come help make indie mogul content. People look at it and they think it's just me. But again, people also look at Aperture and they look at me and they also think it's just me. And I'm like, are you somehow people think that like I'm sitting in a lab somewhere, sure. like making lights and shooting videos? And it's like, no, hell no. This is absolutely not. I try to say whenever I can that it's a team, but it's like sometimes people just don't listen. But again, people, it's funny because people think that I'm doing Indie Mongol to sell Aperture. And I'm like, guys, do you know how much work it takes to make videos not about Aperture to sell Aperture? There's like a million other ways. I could buy magazine ads. I could do literally a million other things to sell Aperture. But I think one of the things that helped out was um, just just hearing and seeing me. Somehow people are like, oh, it's not a company. I'm just like connecting with somebody. Mm-hmm. People love that stuff. And I, I think I didn't really realize it either, but like... Look, if you're a business owner out there, I don't care who you are, do whatever it takes to put yourself in front of the camera because as soon as it feels like you're hearing from a rep or you're hearing from someone that was hired, like an mm-hmm. actor, to be like, hey, you should buy Ridge Wallets because they're we're giving Ridge Wallets a lot of attention now. They don't sponsor this podcast. But uh, just to come out there and be like, hey, this is who I am. I've done full cost breakdowns too on other podcasts. I've just been like, this is how much it costs to make a like. This is how much we think of the B&H. This is how much we think of people. I can love that stuff. Sure. They're like, yeah, yeah. oh my gosh, so honest, transparency. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because we, we, we live in a time where 
we've been we're so used to getting marketed to that it's like now when we feel like we're getting marketed to there's like this like oh it like yeah, yeah. It, it like strikes a weird chord in you which is why i think all this like which is why i shoot in 30 frames per second for youtube content yeah only for youtube content for nothing else because sure, sure. it feels a little bit more real yeah well we should definitely wrap things up because we're running really it's really interesting it's, it's actually one of the more meta interviews we've had yeah, yeah. in more gear oriented than normal we always talk about when people ask us like what camera should we get we're yeah. like you should we're, check out indie mogul or a, a place like that because they are oh, better awesome. suited to answer that question than we are thank you um, yeah, man it's a panasonic gh5 by the way is that right gh5s yeah, yeah it's a great deal we'll, if you're thinking about buying a camera <laughs> we'll talk about that offline i'm curious actually um but uh ted let's hop into endorsements yeah yeah absolutely unpaid endorsements the conversation we just had is so perfect for my endorsement. Okay. Um, it's a video essay mm. about Waverly Films called My Favorite YouTube Filmmakers. Um, we'll post it in the show notes, but it's uh, basically... So Waverly Films was a filmmaking collective out of Brooklyn right at the dawn of YouTube. Like, they actually started posting QuickTime videos before... Are they like Black Box TV? Like, similar vibe? Mm, no, much no, goofier. Okay. okay. They were kind of, you know, they were gigging around. They were, like, doing cool music videos. They were, like, doing the Brooklyn thing as, like, when that was especially hip and not, um, people weren't tired of of that at all, right? Mm -hmm. But they would always do, like, kind of Channel 101 style sort of, Mm -hmm. like, super short clips of, like, different kind of absurdist, sometimes kind of gimmicky sort of videos. Really funny, really weird. And was re- really influential on this video essayist. Have you mm-hmm. figured out his name? Yeah, Patrick H. Williams. Patrick oh, H. Williams. Patrick H. Williams. H. Williams. Of course, I know him. Yeah. Williams. Yeah, yeah. So, so he basically talks about them as a metaphor for the dawn of early YouTube and the way that things have changed. Right. So, YouTube mm. now is much more of a nonfiction portal. Right. It's about lifestyle and things like that. But it, to, kind of to your point, it's not yeah. really about being a it's not a place to f- exhibit your films don't the way we were. Don't post your short film. Don't post don't po- your don't, commercial on don't YouTube. Don't post your... Yeah, it's yeah exactly. That. Right. It's about documenting your life. Right. Yeah. And so um, it's kind of about those guys kind of coming up. And, you know, the punchline is those dudes made Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Like, so they like start and they were vi- digital content they creators. They were the digital people. And now they're like, you know. I'm not saying you have they to They made come the up Sundance film too. Right, yeah. uh, cop car, Kevin yeah, Bacon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not saying you have to come up this way. There's a lot of ways you can do it. It's just this is one option. And if you're feeling particularly stuck, maybe this might be one other way to shake and break loose and do something a little different. And if you're scared of it, that's good because that means it's actually valuable. Because the second that people aren't scared, you know, it's kind of like that thing where you're like, you move to a neighborhood and it's gentrifying, and people are like, "Oh, I would never live there." And you're like, "Oh, good. That means I'm here Perfect. at the right time." Yeah, yeah. So the second you say you want to move to this neighborhood, it's too expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing with online content right now. And if you're cringing right now, it's a good thing because there's a lot of people cringing, and that means it's a decent opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're cringing as much as I'm we, cringing, but that's okay. We, but I have fun too. So yeah, we look at it as one small part of like a bigger whole, bigger whole, yeah. as opposed to the whole. It's not the whole. It's just one thing you can do. Um, cool, Ted. What you got, buddy? Here are my two. Uh, one, 
If you're listening to this, you might already know about uh, a guy named Matt Workman that does Cinematography Database. He's a buddy of mine. He's a good friend. He was on the Indie Mogul Show and the channel on the podcast. And he does a, he has this amazing software out called Cine Tracer. If you don't know what Cine Tracer is, it's literally a Steam game. It looks exactly like a kind of run-around first-person shooter, but you have all the set tools in there. You can build walls. You can mm-hmm. set up lights. You can throw up a frame. You can actually storyboard and previs your entire movie with lighting. With lighting in the actual scene, too. So uh, it's amazing. It's only like 99 bucks. I'm not getting paid to say this, but I just, I'm just i just such a fan of that software. Uh, if you're listening to this, love you, Matt. Great guy. Uh, two, I'm going to say there's a podcast out there called The Future. It's uh, Chris Doe's podcast. Are you guys familiar with it? Mm-mm, no. Cool. So it's not a filmmaking podcast. Oh, good. It's a podcast for designers. <laughs> and here's the reason why I like it. The reason I like it is because... Uh, it's not filmmaking, so it kind of like broadens your horizons a little mm-hmm. bit. He brings on all kinds of creators. He brings on, but it's mostly design and illustration animators. Cool. And again, before you guys check out and be like, no, I, that's not, I'm not an animator. I'm not, the, whatever. The point being is that he talks about the business of design and the business of being a freelance animator. Mm-hmm. And he does it in a way that is uh, so raw and to the point of like negotiating rate of like uh, being an entrepreneur and uh I think at a certain point I realized I was like, you actually don't have to be, if you're looking for some motivation or some business advice, there's so many parallels between and between mm-hmm. design and filmmaking that I think uh, it's really applicable. And a lot of filmmakers overlook it because they don't think it's for them. Is he, you're, you're not talking about the future. Right? The future. Yeah. It's spelled without an E. Oh, yes. Oh. You know about him already. I know him. I watch his YouTube stuff. It's so good. It's so good. And yeah. Seriously, he talks about like lowballing and about how to like negotiate rate and stuff like that. Yeah. He does the, and he's like slightly arrogant, right? He's, he's, he's much nicer in person. He's a very friendly person. <laughs> no, no. I like yeah. it because he'll be like, he'll have people that are saying like, hey, you, you told me that you charge $100,000 for a logo, but I feel weird asking people for even $5,000. He's like, yeah. You're like a $5,000 logo person. I am yeah. like a $100,000 logo person. And this is why. And he, then he like breaks it down. He's he's a kind of a no fluff, no bullshit kind of guy. And I like that a lot. Um, I recently went over and did an episode with him about content. And he's actually the guy that did all the designs for Indie Mogul. He oh, has cool. a design style guide. And he's, he's amazing. Uh, and it's, it's so good. He used to do... You know, did you spend $100,000 on him? Certainly not. <laughs> but uh, the reason I know him is because of YouTube again. Oh, content. Wow. Uh, so he, what was I going to try to say? I was going to try to say that if you want like hard, like business advice, great guy to get it from. Cool. Good guy for sure. Yeah. I'm Subscribe. a fan too. I'll double endorse that. Yeah. Or I'll back up that endorsing. Yeah. Endorsement. Cool. So me, I just thought of it cause you talked about shooting on your one D X and 30 frames per You're second. You're endorsing and, Indie Mogul? I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm Indie kidding, Mogul app. At future, but I just uh, a filmmaker I know. Do you know Brian Storkel? Um, Why does that name sound so familiar? He made yeah. uh, he's a doc doc filmmaker. One his wife Amy. They made this documentary. They actually produced it, and the director is this guy named Theo Love. Uh, it's on Netflix right now. It's called The Legend of Cocaine Island, hmm. and it's um it's it's a documentary, but it's like super cinematic, and it's like shot beautifully, and it's kind of like a lot of recreations, but they. Some of the people are like, it, it's about this guy that found out there's like a bunch of cocaine uh, buried somewhere in Puerto Rico, and he's trying to get it to sell it. And basically, he builds this whole team to get the cocaine and sell the cocaine so he can make all this money because he used to be rich and now he's, now he's not rich anymore. He's trying to make mm-hmm. a comeback. And 
the re- reenactments are like half with the real people and half with like actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just done in a really stylistic way. It's actually, mm-hmm. the story is like kind of really simple, but the style is just really amazing for, I haven't seen a documentary that feels like a Tony Scott film, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. this does. And it, again, reminded me of Abby Fuller, a previous guest and doc filmmaker talking about, taking inspiration from real narrative cinematic films when you approach documentary filmmaking. So Legend of Cocaine Island, it's on Netflix. Um, if we want to find out more about you, Ted. You can find me on the Indie Mogul channel on YouTube. We do a podcast as well where we bring on awesome, talented filmmakers. Ours is mostly kind of like set advice and like tutorials and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but yeah, you can find us online basically anywhere. We just kicked off the channel. Um, I am learning things. And if you want to come learn things with me, uh, yeah, it's open door. Cool. And I am Smitey Pileg on Twitter and O Kaplan on Instagram. And at Mr. Matt Enlow on all social media. And we are at Just Shoot It Pod for all social media as well. You can drop us an email at justshootitpod at gmail.com if you have any questions. Or you can leave us a voicemail, our very favorite way for you to ask us a question, at 2626-SHOOT1. This episode is edited by Jay McAuliffe, produced by Madeline Rosewatt, and our webmaster is Ewan Williams. The music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive and the artist is art, and we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks Bye. so much for watching. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.